Live from the slightly twisted deck bar, it's the Poojee Podcast with Justin Lemieux. The Poojee Podcast is proudly sponsored by Cimarron Golf Club, located in Jacksonville, Florida, off County Road 210, just west of St. John's Parkway. Very excited to be joined by this next guest, a really cool occupation and a really cool career path. Uh, works with Team Penske as the front tire changer on the number two car for Brad Kozlowski. So uh, thanks for being here, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, it's always interesting to talk to, to people in this uh, sports world. Um, obviously, things are a little bit weird right now. So uh, just kind of cool talking with, with individuals just about their careers and, and what they do. So uh, take me a little bit through what you've done so far, I guess, in the NASCAR world, maybe what got you into it? Yeah, so just like pretty much, at, you know, most most kids I just followed what my dad was doing. He, was a, he raced at our local track up there, Wall Stadium in New Jersey, and uh, I just was going there every weekend. That was kind of what, what my life became, and it just rolled into me starting um, racing cars when I was five years old there in New Jersey with uh, quarter midgets and go-karts and stuff like that, and uh, just kind of turned into a profession the older I got and um, out of high school I got a job working for uh, some different people up there that uh, big name New Jersey guys the Bluets and Doug French and my cousin and I started a fabrication style shop but it, at 19 it was kind of the, the time to uh, to leave the nest and uh, just like if you are a country music singer, you move to Nashville. If you want to be an actor, you move to uh, to Los Angeles. If you want to race, you kind of move to the Charlotte, Mooresville area. So I had an opportunity to move here through a couple of friends that had bought a house down here and uh, moved on their couch. And really, my goal was to uh, to try to get a job working on the cup level, um, which is you know the highest level. By the time I was 23, I kind of wanted to work my way up through. Maybe some of the other series, ARCA, Truck, Xfinity, try to get a job there. But uh, the, the phone call came from Roush. I was kind of just driving around, knocking doors down. And three months after I moved here, I got an opportunity to go work uh, for Roush Fenway with driver Jamie McMurray. He was the Crown Royal 26 car um, when I was 19. And uh, that, that I spent four years at Roush. And like I said, it was kind of like my college education there. Uh, from the time I was 19, I was 22, I was there. And, I went in there um, knowing how to, you got me, sorry. I went in there knowing how to uh, fabricate pretty well and kind of had a good understanding of, of short track racing. And I left there, I felt like with my bachelor's degree and uh, in pretty much everything that comes with working at that, that level of sport, I wanted to be a tire changer. And it kind of was in a weird transitional period where they were wanting to hire more uh, college athletes to do that job and it was a little bit harder for someone like me that worked um, full-time in the shop to break into that so it was like what that looked like trying to get onto that side of things was you know going out at lunchtime uh, staying late kind of doing everything on your own to try to get that opportunity and still they would kind of take kids that kind of had more football backgrounds and didn't have a, a 40 or 50 hour week fulfillment in the shop because they didn't want to take away from that so I had to kind of look for opportunity somewhere else and the opportunity rose with Stuart Haas Racing in 2011 so I went over there um, as a tire changer and actually got a job working in the wind tunnel they had a pretty extensive wind tunnel team aero group they called it so I would work in the wind tunnel uh, and fabricating building stuff to, to run through that um, four days a week and then I would travel with actually Tony Stewart I got on the road with Tony's car 
uh, as a mechanic and as their backup tire changer kind of shadowed all their guys. They were probably the hottest picker at the time. They still are. All those guys are pretty much still together on the four car with Kevin Harvick. And um, really learned a lot that year. We actually ended up winning the championship that year with Tony. We tied with uh, Carl Edwards and um, and it was it was I mean that was that that would kind of change the sport that whole deal. That's I feel like that's why we're at the chase format we're at today to try to make it exciting like it was a homestead. So that was really cool to to be a part of. And uh, the next year I got a deal starting as a starting tire changer for Danica. That's when she started and then um, did that. Went to Newman's car, who was the other teammate the year after that. And then it was kind of time for me to move on. Uh, there was opportunities to make more money, right? You, you would think of that one as kind of your rookie contract as a tire changer. And I was shopping around and got an opportunity to go to Penske uh, for a little bit more money, a little bit more um, opportunity. And uh, I've been there for the last seven years. Been with Blaney for six of them. And then this year, uh, our team's got shuffled around, and now we're with uh, – with Brad and been lucky to win two Xfinity championships, a whole bunch of races. And uh, now we're, you know, chasing a champion with Chip with Brad. If we ever get back racing this year. You mentioned working with Kozlowski and Blaney and, and previously um, with Stewart. So it's not just been working at the NASCAR level. It's been working with some of the superstars in the sport. So that's had to be a cool experience for you. And like you mentioned the championships and, uh, that, that's, that's an awesome experience, but take me through what it's like being in the pits during one of these races, the intensity, uh, maybe some of the stress levels, things like that. So yeah, that's, what's funny is, you know, we, we haven't been, we haven't been in the, in practicing or working out or doing any of that stuff for about a month now or more. And this is about the time where your body starts to ache because it's really when you're in season, you do so much to take care of yourself. It's 38 weeks. And, and at this level where I'm at being 32 years old, you know, I'm not one of the, not one of the younger guys anymore. So you learn, you know, what workouts to do, what, what kind of tightens up. Everybody's got something different. Like it's my right shoulder and my hips that I need to work on. So from a, from a physical standpoint, that's what I, I'm not getting under heavy weight. You know, I'm kind of that to the point in my career where I'm sustaining what I have and working on um, preventing injury. Uh, but that, that's what I was saying. It's, it's so funny that my body's starting to hurt, but my brain is all right. Cause the stress levels are so much lower because it is a, you know, it's a, it's a very, uh, it's a very mental job, you know, as, as, as physical as it is, it's more, more mental. Um, and it's just a, a lot, a lot of work. And to get, to get to this level, uh, to, to even be a good tire changer is hard enough to be on, a, you know, a top five, top 10 car every week. It, it's, it takes a lot of mental toughness and we, you know, Penske gives us a lot of, um, a lot of tools to work with. We have a full-time, uh, we have a full-time personal trainer and we've got three coaches. We've got an athletic director uh we've got a guy that breaks down film we got two guys that work on all the equipment you know we've got they fly us uh in a, in a team plane and so so they take care of us uh at a real high level and then we have also every week we have um pretty much a sports psychologist that comes in every other week and we meet with him and you know it's 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 doing, they, they do stuff to make sure that, that you are set up, you have every tool you need to be successful. Right. So they, the excuses are eliminated. Yeah. So that's, uh, when, when you're, when you're at a race and you're running up front, uh, that that's when the mental part comes into it because it's just like practice, you know, the car stops in the box, there's the five lug nuts, the, the, the motions are all the same. The motions of your body are all the same. The emotions are what's different, right? So learning to harness that is, 
is something that that takes maturity and definitely takes a, a different approach you have to take a different approach to but it's something that i've been able to um to to harness and to use also when i go drive my own race cars and it helps me to be maybe be a little bit more mental mentally tougher than than they have the competitors and it, it sounds like they really treat you guys as pretty much just athletes just like they would the drivers as far as the pit crew goes and uh, it's interesting you mentioned breaking down film and sports psychologist and personal trainers. And I think a lot of people that just view on TV, they see the pit crew come out, you know, and it's a 17 second, whatever, uh, you know, pit stop. But at the end of the day, the weeks leading up to these races or the days leading up to these races, there's a lot that goes into, um, I guess, being a top tier team. And uh, there's an obvious difference that, you know, some of the best drivers have the best pit crews because, their times in the pits are far less uh, than others and that can kind of help them advance positions. And I know you said it's been a little bit of a struggle, I guess, with the, the physical fitness aspect of it, but the stress levels are a lot lower now. I know you mentioned to me, you recently started a family. So I'm sure that's been pretty nice for you being at home a little bit longer and, and being able to spend some time with them. So I guess looking for those little silver linings uh, during this time, being able to spend some more time at home. Uh, and then towards the end of what you said there, you mentioned, uh, that you drive your own cars and uh, that you race a little bit as well. Uh, take me through kind of what you do as a, uh, as a, a race car driver uh, in, in your own time. Yeah. So being on the road 38 weeks a year makes it hard to, you can't really go run at your local short track on a Friday or a Friday or Saturday night and then be at hundred um, percent mentally and physically to go compete on Sunday, you know? So uh, what I, what I do is it's called, um the uh, what it is it's indoor racing so they run atlantic city boardwalk hall uh allentown pennsylvania syracuse there are these arenas in the winter that they set up a track and we race uh what midget cars around them so it's actually pretty crazy and it's a it's since it's in the winter there it's you get everybody from every different discipline in the northeast all the top northeast drivers are there and um it's really the best, the best situation for me to be able to race against the highest quality competitor in my time off. So through de December and January, when our downtime with traveling on the NASCAR side is, uh, you know, my indoor racing ramps up and it helps me because my friends aren't, my friends that are racing every week in New Jersey, they're not racing, so they come and help. And then, you know, a lot of the guys that win 30 races a year up there and race for a living on the short track circuit, are in there competing so to to be able to go in there we've been very successful we're second on the all-time win list in, in just five years there and and won a championship and we won you know we hold the track record at two different tracks so we've been super successful with that car and to do it against that quality competitor really it's it it's the best situation for me to to be able to race and race at a high level myself so that keeps me sharp because you know when my tire changing days are done i'd like to go back and and, and do some racing myself and you know, as people look at it, like, uh, kind of like baseball, right? If you play a ball and you don't, you don't really make the big leagues, you're just done, but that's not how it is. You can still go race. You can even make a, a living racing at a local level. Um, there's not, not NASCAR is not just the only, uh, the option. Yeah. There's a lot of levels to, uh, to racing for sure. And I know, especially here in Jacksonville, just an hour South of us, we have Daytona and I know they have a lot of events outside of just the, uh, NASCAR level they have you know the uh, indoor track or the uh, infield track that they utilize a lot and 
uh, different types of cars. So I uh, have had the, the experience of talking to some friends that are involved in that, which is always pretty cool. And uh, recently with this whole coronavirus situation, NASCAR's kind of taken to the iRacing level. Um, take me a little bit through iRacing, if you get involved in that at all, or, or what your thoughts are there as far as maybe how realistic it is for some of these drivers. Yeah, I've had that conversation quite a bit, actually, here in the last couple of weeks. I have a iRacing rig that I built and kind of got, it's, 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 it's uh, probably not top tier, but it's, it's up there. You know, it's, it's the nicest, well, the nicest stuff I can get for sure. And um, it's as much as you want it to be real and it, and it is, it has real realistic characters. It is a game. Um, there are things that are easier on it and there are things that are harder. First, first and foremost, I feel like the hardest thing is to stay focused because there's no real life consequences. So if you're running a hundred lap race and there's there's no actual consequences it's it's easier to take risks right but a lot of those races that you watch it's about the guys that kind of hang out and are patient and then they're there at the end uh it's easy to rush moves um and and do different things get yourself in trouble then all of a sudden you're in the back and then you just keep wrecking once you once you lose track position um the things that are different the you don't get the feel they're the the you have a certain feel, uh, you kind of don't, you drive a race car with your hands and your feet, but you kind of feel it out with your butt is kind of the weird way to say it. Like if you've ever slid in the, slid in the snow or anything like on a gravel road with your car, you can find kind of feel the grip levels changing with your whole body, not just your arms and your, your legs. But, uh, with eye racing, you don't get that feel. So it's more visual cues. So you kind of see the car getting sideways and, and just like anything else, just like any sport, it's about the amount of time you put into it. But NASCAR's done such a great job, and, and iRacing's done a great job, kind of giving these guys a platform, giving the teams a platform to still sell sponsorship and, and keep fan, you know, stay engaged with fans and more, more so than any other sport's been able to because of that iRacing platform. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun to be able to sit back and watch on a Sunday when I would typically be watching the real race or – the fourth round of a golf tournament. Um, it's been nice to be able to sit back and, and just enjoy uh, some sort of sport. And it's amazing to me how realistic on TV it looks uh, from the fans' perspective. But like you mentioned, there are a lot of different factors from the driver's perspective that probably changes the feel of it a little bit. So I guess my uh, one of my last questions for you, um, in a lot of sports, um, a, lot, a big topic is rivalries um a lot of what gets fans up and moving in the morning for their big game is those rivalry games uh whether it's football baseball basketball whatever it is what's your stance i guess or maybe some experience with rivalries within nascar between drivers between teams is there anything like that at that level in nascar yeah i think there are there are quite a bit but the difference so there's there's two i think main differences um that, that we have than most other sports have. The first one is uh, if you're in Jacksonville, you're a Jaguars fan, right? We don't have a, a team or a driver that's specific to a city. So as humans, it's easy to get behind your city and be like, it's us versus them, right? Where you're just kind of picking a guy. And if that guy does something to piss you off one week, maybe you're not with him 100%. So it's a little bit harder to align yourself, I think. Um, and, and with that, you know, it's like New England and New York, right? They're not Boston and New York. They they're close to each other. They hate each other. Or, or you know, the two teams in LA, the Clippers and the 
and the Lakers. You know, they're, they're right there, so they're obviously going to have animosity. Pick one side or the other. So that's a little bit of a factor that we don't have, right? The other thing that we have that, that makes it challenging to keep rivalries for a long time is that we all travel together. It's like a circus, right? So even if you're pissed off at somebody, if you see them every day, eventually you're going to get over it. As a, you know, as That's just how it is. Where if you don't see them for a couple months or you don't talk to them or something, it festers and it becomes something more than it actually is. And that's something that, that we don't have, but there, there has been great rivalries that have, you know, that, that built this sport. Um, the one thing that you, the number one thing that you can't do and that I feel like sometimes we try to do as a sport is push it. You can't create a rivalry. It has to create itself over, over time. And, you know, I think uh, Kyle Bush and Denny Hamlin versus Joey Logano or, or maybe like a Kevin Harvick and a Kyle Bush. But the other problem is, and it's something that we've seen, you know, come up this week, uh, you are representing not just yourself, you're representing Fortune 500 companies, you're representing um, a lot of different things other than just your own brand. And that makes it challenging to, to actually act a way that, that you want to, or, or that, that maybe sports teams can act you, you can't do that because you're not representing just yourself. There's a lot of other factors you have to think about. And, uh, and yeah, that, that makes it tougher for us, but still the racing is, is where it all starts. Yeah. Yeah. I had to ask because there's been some great footage after races and during races of maybe a driver throwing a helmet in the heat of the moment or some words being exchanged in the pit area after a race, whatever it may be. But that totally makes sense. Like you mentioned, kind of traveling together and constantly seeing each other and, everyone's driving style is different. And I guess just like in any other sport, those kind of differences uh, might kind of cause some of that tension here and there. But it's also funny you mentioned the Fortune 500 companies. And like we see at the minor league baseball level, uh, a lot of people like to latch on to certain teams just simply based on the team name or the logo. And it's funny at the NASCAR level, it's always cool to be able to look and see wow, you know, that sponsors with this driver. That's a really cool looking car. That's a cool color scheme, something like that. Or for me personally, um, Eric Amarola, he went to UCF. Uh, he drives a black and gold car now. So it's easy for me to kind of get behind him and at least just identify with something similar in his past. So uh, it's cool to kind of be able to cheer on those things that you might be able to connect with uh, from your own personal life with someone else's personal life. So it's, it's interesting how that works. And uh, I guess in your experience, just kind of a more opinion question for you. What, what are your favorite three tracks, I guess, to go to as a part of the pit crew? So I think that every, I, I've had this question a lot and I've thought about it. Um, one place that I really, really like to go, uh, I think it's the, the racetracks themselves. I think there's so much more to it. the city you go to. It's, it's a couple of other things, but I like Indy a lot. And the NASCAR race in Indy has kind of struggled the last couple of years as far as fan attendance. And when there's not many, when, when there's a lot of empty seats, it kind of takes away from, you know, as, as a competitor, when the, when the place is full, I think you see a little bit more, a little bit more come out of each guy. But Indianapolis for me is just such a cool place. It's such a cool city. There's so much history. I, I always kind of get, get a little bit of like a hair stands up on the back of my neck when going to that place. And then other places that I like to go, I really like going to Watkins Glen. 
and I like going to Sonoma. I think the road courses are cool. Watkins Glen is hard as a picker guy because you're doing backward stops, and that's always fun because it's the only place that you go where you do everything kind of backwards, so that breaks up the monotony. And uh, I do I do like Sonoma a lot too because it's such a cool place. And last year, uh, my wife and a couple of our friends went out there and kind of took a mini vacation. So I think those are my three favorite. But as far as just just racing, and and my favorite race of the year, I think the Bristol Night Race is obviously one of the really cool ones. It kind of feels like an old school feel. And now that Martinsville's that kind of ends at night, you get that old school Saturday night short track feel. So those those are ones that I look forward to. And uh, it, it's funny you mentioned Bristol. That was actually one of my favorite tracks to watch uh, growing up. Getting into NASCAR was uh, just, I guess, how unique it was with how short it is. And uh, it's it's always fun to watch, like you said, under the lights too. When you're able to see that those lights glisten off the hood and, and the paint job, and uh, it just really makes it feel like a, a a cool experience from a viewer standpoint, and I'm sure even more enjoyable uh, from a pit crew uh, standpoint, being in your position. But Ryan, I really appreciate you being here and doing this, taking your time to uh, to to give me some information on what it's like being in motorsports and the life of a pit crew member for a, a top tier team. And uh, best of luck to you moving forward. And let's hope we get back on the track here soon, not virtually, but actually in real life and, and maybe get some racing done here in the next few weeks. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you having me. I need to come out to a, to a game when I'm there. Yeah, come down, visit me and Tom Snyder, your boy from uh, New Jersey, the, the Manasquan area. So uh, come down and visit and uh, we'll have to get you out to a game. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Be sure to follow our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other podcast streaming services, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel to check out unique video elements for each interview.